0: We're here with Mark Ensign. Mark shared the stage with the likes of Gary Vaynerchuk, Brené Brown, Simon Sinek, Chelsea Clinton, and many more. His writing has been featured in Forbes, The Huffington Post, CNN, The New York Post, and many other publications, and his theories on marketing leadership and personal branding are currently being taught to people around the world.
1: Real life
2: superpowers. technology it's alive! real live
1: superpowers
0: Great. So, Mark, what are you up to these days?
2: What am I up to? Well, that's an open question. Uh, so, uh, I have a. I'm juggling three main things, uh, I guess. Uh, I, I own a personal branding agency called Loudmouse and we work with a lot of speakers, authors, and coaches to help them kind of define and communicate their message, grow their uh, their audience, and and make a bigger impact in the world. And then, um, and I'm a speaker and author myself, and so I'm I'm working on a book and and uh, and getting out there and speaking, that's how we met at inbound, speaking at inbound. And then I also have an online program that teaches personal branding that that where i'm I'm helping you know folks that are that that want to build a powerful brand. Uh, but they don't want to jump all in with an agency. They're do-it-yourselfers. And uh, so they're able to you know, kind of go at their own pace and, and, uh, and build, build a, uh, a solid personal brand for themselves.
0: And how can people find that course?
2: Uh, so if you go to markensign.com, uh, M-A-R-C-E-N-S-I-G-N.com, uh, you can find it on there. That's, that's my primary website.
1: Tell me about In, in branding, I heard something really um, interesting in the last while. That the major change in the last five years in branding is instead of looking for how to how how people can uh, see a message, now there's enough reach for everybody, and it's actually how to um, be highlighted or how to communicate ability as opposed to just uh, you know saying hi nice to meet you for a brand like that the, the way you're branding is not a certain message you know like. Uh, I didn't know that there was this type of Coca-Cola and now it's just, we don't care about the types of Coca-Cola. Do we like the brand at all? So it's like acting as the brand as a person.
2: Yeah. So our focus is speakers, authors, coaches, entrepreneurs, and and, and those types. Um, However, like it's, it's my belief that everybody uh, should have at least some face of the company, like the big, you know, even, even for a big company, you know, for that reason alone Uh, we don't care about the product as much as we care about how, um, it makes us feel, and the kind of the fast track to getting somebody to feel something is to connect on a human level uh, and that you know that 's why uh, you know people use celebrity endorsements that 's why influencers uh, are able to make an impact with a company is because. It's just a lot easier for us to grow attached to another human being than it is for us to grow attached to a hamburger or a pair of sneakers or you know something along those lines. You know, a pair of sneakers is just a product. You could put it on, you walk around the block, yeah, okay, these are fine, they feel good. Uh, but when you're you know talking about Michael Jordan, or you're talking about you know somebody that you have even though it's one-sided you have like a history with i've been watching him since i was a little kid and i remember when the bulls won you know like like you have like a history with the product all of a sudden when uh you know when there's a person involved how do you manage that though i'm thinking there's a lot of ego like
1: in when you're doing a sneaker there's like a creative to that but when you're when you're doing like a michael jordan right everything is like personal messaging i'm sensitive it's
2: like him right how do you manage the sensitivity Um, so personal branding from like, like from the agency side, when I'm working with a client, it's exhausting it really is like, like if if I was, if I was working on a pair of sneakers and I owned a marketing company for 15 years before I started, you know, got into personal branding. Um, But if you, you know, you would send me the product, I would wear the sneakers uh, for a couple of days. I'd look at them. I talk about the color. I talk about the feel, find some funky uh, way to get, you know, to, to talk about or create some messaging around it. And, and it was, it was very, it was very static. It was very, uh, just, you know, something clever based on what I'm looking at. With a person, um, you really have to dig in deep because there's so many layers to the onion. There's, um, you know, and, and unless you're, like, you have to be able to tap into, uh, that, that, you know, thing inside, uh, otherwise it's just not going to feel very authentic, uh, you know, when, when you're talking about somebody. Um, so one of the things that we'll do is like, I'll, I'll, fly out to my client you know, when, when we first are working together and we'll spend two or three days together. I move into their house. We spend every waking moment together for two or three days um, because that's really how you're going to get to know somebody. And if I'm going to market you as a human being, I have to know you. Like, and I have to know you for like inside now, like, I got to know what you like and what you don't like, what pisses you off. Like, like, you know, a lot of times during those meetings, we'll start, like, it'll start to get a little heated because I'm digging in a little too deep or, you know, like, like I I get to look at the, you know, the, the look on your face when, when the mother-in-law calls and you're, you know, you're annoyed. Like it's all that stuff is what makes the person.
0: And it's very vulnerable for people to let you do that.
2: It, exactly. And it's, it's uncomfortable and it's vulnerable. And, and there are parts of it that I don't, you know, that, that is uncomfortable for me too. Like I'm moving into your house, like, and you got kids and animals and.
0: You always do that. Uh,
2: I, if, if they're dead set against it, I won't. Uh, and I'll, and I'll get a hotel and we'll just spend the days together. And, you know, until, and I try to, I try to, you know, make sure we're hanging till eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. I like to, you know, like, let's go out to dinner, bring your friends, bring your clients. Um, because otherwise, when you're talking about personal branding, if I just have you fill out a Google form and I talk to you for a half hour, that's not enough for me to get into the stuff that really, really matters. The stuff that people really connect with because um, people want to see the scars. They want to hear the story. They want to see, you know, like like that's great that you're at this level, but how did you get there? And people want to hear that uh, because they want to know that it's possible for them, too. And, um, and we protect those stories, we protect those scars. And so to get down into the meat of it, you have to, like, you have to beat somebody down. You got to live with them. And, you know, like, like nobody knows you better than your spouse. Well, I'm going to be your spouse for a couple of days. Like, that's how you have to kind of approach it.
0: Wow. Like, I've never heard of this approach. It's so unique. And I'm, I'm wondering, like, do you work with, uh, companies or just like one person, how does that go? Because if, if if it's either a big company or a startup, then A, I'm sure that, you know, Ronan was mentioning ego in a way, like there's going to be a few people that might want to be the front. And then sometimes also you're the one who's going to have to decide who it's going to be. And then sometimes also people don't want to be the front, but they want their startup to succeed. And uh, Is that a price that they have to pay that they have to be at the front? Like, how does that all like sort of
2: sum up? Yeah, so we do work with companies. However, we work with uh, people within the companies. So, and, th- and this can happen one of a couple ways. Um, like, we're not going to brand your company. I'm not really looking to brand your company. I did that for 15 years, it's not exciting to me. Uh, but I want to make sure that your CEO or whoever the the forward facing person of the company is. I want to make sure that they have a really strong brand because they're representing the company. They're the one that's on the news. They're the ones being written about. They're the ones doing the interviews. And it's not always the CEO, but it usually is like you know CEO, COO, some some you know like like higher up uh, within the company. Um, so there's there's that. And then there's also uh, I'll sit and speak to or do workshops with. Uh, Entire teams, uh, especially sales teams, especially customer service teams, uh, especially marketing teams in order to help them build their personality within the company, Uh, because these are people that are touching uh, the other users. So so like, let's say somebody calls customer service. You know, if you can create an environment where that customer service rep or that that information person or the person answering the phones or whoever it is is able to build a connection with the person calling, you're just going to have a much better experience all around. And so, I'll help with that, like like helping them build kind of like mini brands within the within that within that brand. What would be like a key
1: like what would be the natural KPI end game for like someone like that? Because I'm thinking like a shoe wants to sell its revenue, right? Sure. There's a fine line. I'm not, I'm not meaning this in a bad way, but there's a fine line yeah, between ego, I want myself in the front, then value that the company's getting off of that. And I'm wondering what the KPI is to measure that.
2: So the interesting thing with, with branding is that branding is not... Branding is a process. It's not a deliverable, right? It's not like, all right, great. We we created the brand. We're done. You know, Coke has been out for a bazillion years, and they are still they they I think they spend somewhere around a billion dollars a year, maybe a little more, on branding. So so it's it's a constant process to con to, to build the brand. Now, as far as uh you know, levels of success, like ultimately that turns into sales, it turns into positive reviews, it turns into Um, You know, depending on who you are and what you do, you know, media impressions, it turns into uh, more speaking gigs. If you're a speaker, turns into selling more books because people have heard about you, you have a bigger audience, you have a wider reach. Uh, So so there are those, like a lot of those benefits, um, you know, bigger audiences, uh, higher paid, you know, speaking gigs, higher paid consulting gigs. Uh, you know, it's, it's, um, so, so it, it does show up like in that way. Now it's not a matter of somebody's going to say, okay, look, your, your brand scores at 80%. So now we're going to pay you more. It's not that it's that your phone is just ringing more. So now you get to charge more or you put your book out and you have enough people that already like what you do and know who you are. And you're not starting, you know, you're not starting at the very ground level. You're start, you know, you're, you're at a, at another level. That you put your book out and it instantly sells, um, you know, a bunch more. One of the examples that that I used during my talk at Inbound is J.K. Rowling, who wrote the Harry Potter series. She released a book in, in a completely different genre under a pseudonym. So so she wanted to she wanted to basically start over and pretend like she was a nobody and write a book and, and go through that process again uh, you know, and, and just, just experience it again. And, and, you know, without all the hype and hoopla that comes with being JK Rowling. And so she put this book out and it took, you know, 40 or 50 letters to publishers before somebody finally signed her. The others are kicking themselves. And, and, uh, and so the, the book, um, the book comes out over a month or so it sells 1500 copies, um, which is not terrible, I guess, like for a first time author, uh, but then word got out that it was j k. Rowling, and within a short amount of time right after that, once word got out uh it sold one point five million copies um it it uh you know now she never put her name on the book it's still the same book, same words, same characters uh Brandy. same beginning, same ending uh the only thing that was different was the perception of who wrote it and and not only did she sell one point five million copies versus fifteen hundred. Uh, but she, um, uh, but it also went from a three-star review to a four-star review. So, so like we liked the book better and a lot more of us bought it. Uh, you know, and it was solely because once we found out who wrote it, uh, it changed everything that is right. 100%, uh, return on investment for your brand. And, and now we turned it into a TV series or something like that on Showtime. Like it's all, she's got six books out and she still writes under this other guy's name,
0: <laughs> but,
2: um, uh, it just shows you how powerful your brand can be.
0: So, I'm wondering this, like a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs and how does a startup or just like even a one-man show get their name out there?
2: The first step um, in every case is be clear about who you are and who you're communicating with. Um, Most People skip over that. They have a pretty good idea. Like, I know what I, I kind of know what I do, and uh, you know. And then they start on, you know, but let me post on social media. Let me buy Facebook ads. Let me, you know, update my LinkedIn profile, and uh, let me get interviewed on podcasts. And let me do all this stuff. But meanwhile, they're still like a little iffy on on uh, how to, you know, what I do. How do I do it? That's different. Uh, that's unique from from others in my industry. And who am I going to do this for? Who are the people that are, you know, stuck awake at night uh, worrying about this problem that I'm going to fix? And if you're not crystal clear about that, it doesn't matter what you do on Facebook. You're always going to like, you know, you might have some success, but it's going to be, you're you're not going to reach the level that you really want to. You can get interviewed, you can write the book, you can be a speaker, but if you're not really clear, if you can't just, you know, shout it from the tallest mountain about who you are and what you do and you know, with your head held high and your chest puffed out, you're always going to struggle at least a little bit.
0: So how do you become clear about that?
2: Um, I move into your house. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You have to, you have to really dig in deep. So, so it starts with asking yourself like a lot of questions. Um, you know, there's, there's no, there's no set formula like, like, you know, but there are exercises that you can do. Um, And a lot of this I talk about in the the course, um, and the name of the course is chosen personal branding, Um, and it's about uh, it's it's really kind of like not trying to figure out well how can I package up this thing so other people will buy it, but really dig in deep about you know hey this is what's really important to me I want to make an impact this is how I'm going to do it you know these are the people that I am just I love and I want to help and I want to be there for and I want to serve and I want to. Um, it, it, you know, and I want to uh, stand up for, and this is the thing that's keeping them awake at night. You have to be able to answer those questions. Uh, and, and that's kind of where it starts. Now you have to t- keep digging deeper and you have to keep asking yourself, you know, uh, uh, to get a little deeper than, um, you know, then, uh, I want to help these people because they have a lot of money. Like that's not gonna, that's not gonna work. People are gonna see right through that. But if you can really grab to who they are, in a way where, um, where, where they feel like you're really, you know, there for the right reasons, um, you'll start to build that community.
1: What's your, what's, what' what, what was your, like, out of all the, the branding campaigns that you did for personas, what was your like favorite, uh, you know, like a uh, campaign, let's say, or a creative idea to bring someone uh, to that level?
2: So, okay. So, so this was kind of an interesting idea. Uh, I had a client that really wanted to, um, be featured in a specific magazine. And so um, so what we did was we got a, uh, uh, and it took a long time, it took six months or something like that, six, eight months to get an article uh, on the online version of the magazine. Uh, yeah. And so, so I was like, okay, so now we got to start. We, we got our foot in the door. However, like that's not enough. So what we did was we spent a bunch of money, not, not a ton, probably about two grand, something like that, 1500 mm-hmm. in paid ads to drive traffic to that article, not to his website, not to uh, his posts on Facebook for that website. Like we drove traffic to that article um, you know, to, to pump up their stats and get, you know, to get everybody all excited about this article. And after about a month of that or a month and a half of that, they called and they're like, we have no idea what's going on, but people are (laughs) loving that article. All right. So, so we would, we would love to have you, uh, come in and write for the magazine. So we're like, all right, so now we wrote an article for the magazine and we did a very similar thing because it was, you know, again, it was on the online version of this. You know, we did the same tool, worked the first time, let's try it again. We did that again and that turned into, we would love to interview you for the magazine. And so as a result, we ended up getting, uh, we, we got these two articles and then uh, an interview in that magazine over the course of a year um, uh, by buying ads to, you know, to really kind of pump up those stats. And And it was it was um his the message was was so powerful that that it just was a great fit. It was just trying to get them to notice him, uh, which was the really kind of the key in that whole thing.
0: So I'm curious like uh, back to or n- maybe not back because it's like right in correlation to what we're saying, but I, I think they're like a, a theme of understanding yourself and adding value as some sort as part of some formula of staying out there for the long run. And that's sort of making me think, and I wonder what you think about uh, this, what I would call a trend of all these Instagram influencers. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, where do you see them uh, in about five years? Is that like, because, you know, people are sort of uh, striving to be an Instagram influencer. And to be fair, they're making a lot of money. But do you well, think some that's- are, yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: But we have to connect it to the Airbnb so we can come live with everybody
2: at the same yes, time. Totally. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get an endorsement with Airbnb. <laughs> um, so it's it it, it depends. Um, the the influencers that uh, are really working it, that really that really do love their audience and really do connect with their audience and build uh, and build a connection with their audience do much better than those that are um, are just building are just creating numbers in order to. Uh, have something showy, and then uh, try to sell something to them. There was a story that came out a couple months ago of um, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was a, it was a woman that was an influencer. She had something like 2.5 million followers on Instagram, and she started a clothing line uh, to sell to those to those people. And, um, she ended up having to cancel it because there was a minimum of something like 36 items that needed to be sold in order for the production company to go into production. And she wasn't able to sell 36. Um, hmm. so when you have 2.5 million people and you can't sell 36 or, you know, somewhere, whatever that number was, uh, it was, it was, it, it was a very, very small number considering you have 2.5 million people. If you can't sell 36 some odd, products to to 2.5 million people now it doesn't necessarily mean that they're fake users or anything else it's just that they're not really sold on you they're not really they're not in love with you they're not you know they're they're not uh paying attention they're they're not voting with their dollars um whatever you want to call it you know as opposed to like i would choose 1,000 raving fans over 2.5 million people that are half listening uh every any single day with with uh you know with a thousand raving fans you can make a really solid living you can you know you have people that that will tell their friends about you they'll buy the cd when it comes out or they'll buy the t-shirt when it comes out they'll come to the speaking gigs they'll buy the books they they will stand you up and you know i think it's more about that engagement and attention moving forward than it is about the numbers of how many likes and and you're starting to see all the social media platforms starting to remove all those stats because they're so meaningless now like, they really just genuinely don't matter.
0: Which also, by the way, like, sort of side note, but I'm trying to think, like, those social platforms that are removing all those likes, I mean, this is based on dopamine and on people returning to see how many likes they're getting. So I'm sort of wondering what's going to happen with, uh, with the traffic to those websites once that's gone. Like, I'm sure they have some sort of plan in mind, but I don't see where that's going. They're going to
1: go back strategically to the poke yeah right <laughs> you know, utilize that you know. <laughs>
0: to death but so like seriously i don't all understand right. like i'm sure this isn't uh i mean i do not believe this is just them being benevolent and thinking we're doing harm to people of the society let's remove
1: it and we'll be fine you No, know, so there's all the strategy about stars and instagram like uh real influencer i guess the so non-influencers like they're trying to differentiate between like the ones that are you know that's 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 kind of the mission, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they're doing that because um, there's so much fake stuff out there, and it, and and from a, a selfish perspective for the platform, it, it raises the question of credibility. You know, and and so in their mind, it's just like, you know what? Like, let's take this off the table completely, and let's see where where it goes. Now, they're still going to collect that information. Don't think for a second that yeah. they're just removing that. You know, field in the database like they are still going to collect that information they're still going to make decisions on that they're still going to push posts but like, the thing that they found is that uh, there's a certain number of likes that once people see that it has a certain number of likes they just instantly hit the like button just to join that crowd so so like you know all of a sudden you see a post with a hundred likes on it and then also like it's hard to get to a hundred but it's easy to get from 100 to 500 because everybody wants to be part of the group. And yeah. and so so we start liking things just because everybody else likes them. And so it's not because we actually like it. Isn't that like natural nature? Yeah, of course we're sheepish we have a need to belong and so right. and and that shows up on social media it shows up in our you know everyday life it shows up in the restaurants we go to i can't tell you how many times i've looked at reviews on a restaurant and said well like look like this one has you know five stars but it's empty the one next door has four stars and it's just packed we should go to the one that's packed right you know and and like it you just it, that's what we do like cuz we we you know like know. there must be there must be something if nobody else likes this there must okay. be something wrong with we it and we move on know.
0: So now, like, with right. social media, you're going to enter, like, with your eyes closed and just, you know, taste the food. That's a bit, like, advanced. You're
1: actually going to have to like things. Yeah.
2: And it'll be a much more honest res- result because, like, people will actually like things because they like things, not because the crowd likes things. And I think it's going to make life a little more difficult for influencers. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to force them to have to prove their value because cause that's the other thing. Like, if I pay you to, to do, like, a sponsored post for me. Um, And you post it and it gets, um, you know, 10,000, you know, likes on Instagram or whatever, you get to point to that. Like, I don't know if that helped me at all. Like, I don't know if you bought those 10,000 likes. I don't know if they're legitimate, like, customers for me. Like, I, you know, but your job, you know, to you, it's a job well done. Uh, when you when you remove that from the equation, now all of a sudden as an influencer, like I really have to be able to prove my value. Like I have to be able to say, like, look, because I posted this, you know, sponsored post, it turned into this many phone calls or this these kinds of sales. Like, it forces influencers to be marketers.
0: Yeah, a lot of influencers and- are going to be looking for a job soon. <laughs>
2: I probably like, like it's, it's a big deal. Like it, it, I think it is a big deal. It's going to make a big difference and it's just going to change it. And what's going to happen is new people are going to come out from this and they're going to find another, you know, like another path to something cool. And and then, you know, then a bunch of them will show up and ruin that too.
1: (laughs) As Gary Vee says, marketers ruin everything. That's right. A lot of entrepreneurs that are really successful um, like yourself, they come from two genres Either they came from like a sport background or a music background. Like, like right. it's, it's not total, but a lot of them. And like, I'm uh, what, what, like, first of all, how did you do that? Like, the move from there to there, and and like, how did that help you? If at all fair enough. Yeah, so
2: so I have a, I have a background in music. I went to uh, Berkeley College of Music in Boston, Massachusetts, and uh, graduated with a degree in music performance. And uh, then I moved in with my mom uh, <laughs> because I was an unemployed musician. Uh, but I had this I had this dream of wanting to work on Broadway. It was nineteen ninety six, ninety seven, something like that around the time. And uh, so I wanted to work on Broadway, and there was really no Facebook or Google, or you know, the, the internet was like basically chat rooms. And it was almost useless. And uh, so I would go into the city every day and I would start to, I try to, you know, I'd collect the playbills from the shows and the programs. And I try to meet all the musicians and, and uh, I was really good at networking myself and getting in front of people. I created a logo for myself, and I created like you know I use a specific font. I create you know I got headshots done, and I use certain colors for for uh, you know every time that I you know sent them something, so people would always know it was me. Uh, and uh, and and like this is before personal branding existed or whatever in most of the, like, I don't, and I, I'm, I don't want to pretend for a second that I've invented this thing. Like it was mostly because I was unemployed and I live with my mom. <laughs> so, so I'm drawing logos and like, you know, and I'm seeing like, well, this is what the big companies are doing. So I should do the same thing. And so I started doing that. Um, so now I have like, I, I'm clear about who I am and I've created this, uh, you know, this, this look for myself and, and, um, and, uh, you know, still, people wanted very little to do with me. I was completely unqualified for the job. I had, I had, um, I had uh, uh, no experience. I had just gotten out of school. I had no connections, short of stalking people, which is really what I was doing, and it was incredibly creepy. Um, mm-hmm. I had nothing, and so. Uh, I, I then started positioning myself as like an authority, and I reached out to um, Bass Player Magazine, which was the big bass magazine at the time. I'm a bass player, uh, and you know, I said, "Hey, look, I'm friends with all these people on Broadway. How about I write an article about what it's like to be on Broadway?" And they loved the idea of it, so they gave me 350 bucks, and I and I wrote this article. But now I was able to call everybody. I had something to give them, but I was also an authority in the bass. Industry, where uh, hey, I'm writing an article about what it's like to be on Broadway, and I, I want to uh, my my terms were you had to give me an hour interview, you had to give me a copy of the music for your show, you had to introduce me to every musician on in your show, and you had to let me watch your show from the pit. And if you <laughs> if you wouldn't do any of those, then you were then you were off the list. And so. Um, so it gave me a chance to really meet everybody and to get a copy of the music so I could practice. And, um, eventually like, you know, the article came out and I was a, you know, a big hero. One of the guys I really connected with and ends up that, um, I ended up writing some more articles about his dad, who was also a bass player. And, and, uh, but it was, it was that combination of being clear of who I am and being, having a clear visual brand. And then also, um, being an authority that allowed me to you know that got me this gig like any one of those was missing I wouldn't have gotten it it wouldn't have happened and uh and so so I ended up um you know playing in the show Rent uh for maybe 10 years um you know on Broadway on tour national international tours and all that kind of stuff um how I made the transition was I was really good at marketing. Like I found I had no like it was it just came very natural to me, just like music came very natural to me. And uh and so I said, well I should help other people. So I started a company to help um uh musicians and artists uh market themselves in like two thousand, I think it was. And the internet was you know, like I was just starting to build websites and and um and I didn't realize how broke <laughs> musicians and artists were um and how how seldom they paid their bills. And, and, and so and one day, um, my work had gotten out and somebody from Nike reached out. I think it was Nike or American Express, some huge company. Oh, it was American Express. And uh, they reached out and they said, well, you know, we have this small project for you. And, and uh, I did the project and I, and I doubled my invoice and I sent it to him. And the guy called me the next day. He's like, I can't submit this invoice uh, because, um, you know, and I figured I got caught for like, you know, double charging him. And he's just he's like, it's gonna cost us more to cut the invoice than it is for the amount. You should at least double or triple what you sent us. So I was like, stop, really? (laughs) And so sure enough. Like and, and so that's how I kind of got my start. I saw this. I saw this as a way to get out of doing wedding band gigs.
0: How did the American Express hear about you? Like, how did they approach you? Because I
2: was doing mostly artists and musicians. My work was really creative, and so you got to remember this is like two thousand, two thousand one, something like that. So websites were very boxy and very um, you know HTML tables, and I figured out you know I, I was just designing stuff that was just really cool, very fluid and. And um, and I figured out as I went along, I didn't you know, I kind of didn't know what I was doing half the time. Um, and, and looking back, I was, I should be a little horrified of, of like the code that I was creating and stuff. Like I was hacking. Are
1: you tech savvy? Are you
2: like, yeah, I pick, I picks up stuff like that really easily. Um, I, my mom was a computer programmer and so I was, she was taking me to adult night classes for computer programming since I was six or something. I had an Apple two plus, I got this awful picture of me with an orange trucker hat sitting in front of an Apple two plus programming. (laughs) You know, like with buck teeth and braces and, sure. and, and all those. So I was very good at picking that stuff up. And I was able to, you know, develop these websites that were pretty creative. And it just kind of, you know, like there weren't a ton of people doing it at the time. And you know now, of course, everybody's a web designer, but and you can get you know your websites for free or whatever. But but back then it was it was just different, and and I just had a different way of solving the problem that that they seemed to connect with. And once I got American Express, I turned into Nike, which turned into Berkshire Hathaway, which turned into like all these other big companies. And then I realized how much I hate working for companies like that.
1: (laughs) The next evolution, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. So it took me fifteen, it took me ten years or twelve years, something like that. But then I eventually realized that you know the world doesn't need somebody to sell an extra can of pepsi like like i I've, i want you know i want to make an impact in the world and and working for these big companies i wasn't doing it so i exited that company and decided i wanted to work with people
0: but you're saying that That's as if nice. it was like yeah i woke up i had breakfast i exited that company next
2: no no it was it was it was ugly and scary and all that other kind of stuff and i just i don't want to cry so I'm, so, I'm,
0: so <laughs> sure I just no let's cry, cry what's like, tell me about the minute when you realize you don't want to do this anymore.
2: Um, I remember I was out for a walk and I was, you know, thinking about what, you know, um, looking back on the last 10 or 12 years and uh, and it was a year before I actually left. And I was thinking it was it was coming up on, on New Year's and I was deciding what the next year, what my goals were. And uh, I found that every single one of my goals had nothing to do with the company. It was all about how I can get away from the company. Like, you know what, maybe I'll do. I'll write a book and I'll become a New York Times bestseller. So this way I could not work for this company anyway. So I could shut the company down. And and it was, it was every every goal I had was like to get away from it. And I was like, okay, so clearly my number one goal has to be to, to leave. And, uh, and I left and it, I realized that it wasn't that I didn't love what I did. I didn't love who I did it for. Uh, I didn't like working with big companies. I was just another cog in the wheel. You know, and they paid well and all this other kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I could come home from work, put my head on the pillow and know that I made absolutely no difference in nobody, in anybody's life. And that was a tough pill to swallow. Like that was really hard because, you know, at the end of the day, like we want, like as people, we want to know that we made a difference, that that we've done something that can be remembered and that, that can, you know, like, like, and yeah, maybe we're not going to be the next Steve Jobs. But, damn, like, shouldn't we at least try? Like, shouldn't we at least try to do something that, that's going to, you know, make sure that the this planet spins on a different axis because we're here? Why
1: What's do you that? have that drive? Not every – like, you're saying as if all people have that uh, drive. Not all people have that I, drive. I, I,
2: I think everybody has a drive to want to leave some kind of impact. Now, it doesn't mean change – like, change the world can mean – um could mean you know changing your family could mean changing your community could be changing the world on this grand level like like it it doesn't have to be this grand thing sometimes it's just doing one small thing that matters in somebody else's life like you don't have to walk across the country in a pair of flip-flops for a good cause in order to change the world like you can do something locally or whatever and so so i as a kid I always had this, this, I, you know, I was the kid that up until I was probably 10 or 11 years old, it's probably like more like 15, but I don't want to admit it. Um, I had snaps on all my pajamas where I get, my mom would sew snaps on all my pajamas for a cape. And so I would have every pair of pajamas I had had a cape and it didn't matter. Like it'd be Mickey mouse pajamas and, <laughs> you know, and I'd have a cape. Before. And so, so I, you know, so I I spent my childhood jumping from the ottoman to the couch, to the, to the lazy boy recliner Uh, saving the world. And then as a musician, I spent, you know, the better part of 10 years of my life uh, ending every night with a standing ovation, you know, at the end of the show, having people, you know, and, and knowing that like I've created something, I did something that changed the lives of those people in that audience for a short amount of time. And so when I realized that like, wow, I've created a company that does the complete opposite, that doesn't do any of that, like that was a punch in the face to me
1: no no standing ovation
2: yeah like i like it just didn't matter like i got home and it was uh you know i'd walk in the door and nobody was standing clapping for what i did like
0: were you still you know, living with, you, with your mom then
2: no 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 okay. no I was I, no, but like i come home to my wife and and you know i didn't get any kind of say you know i was just like yeah okay you, you went to work and you can't like that's what you do and i'm like oh well i don't like the sound of that like like you know i wanted to I, I i just you know I just had an inherent need for that for for people to you know to to know like 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 to know that I did something that mattered
0: so who did you uh, sell the company to
2: uh I had a business partner, so I just exited
0: oh like to him, yeah, awesome,
2: yeah, so it was easy because agencies are tough to to sell. So that would have been a nightmare. Um, so we're, this was this was easier. You
1: would have like to work there did. for seven years. Yeah.
2: Yeah. know. Exactly. And I didn't want to do that. Um, and j- just to you know, just uh, to be incredibly transparent, to know you know, like it, just to give you the uh, uh, this is why I was in the curled up in a ball. It was so important to me that um, we had this disagreement between buying me out, and it you know we couldn't get past it, and it was so important to me to move on that uh, I resigned from my own company. So I didn't sell. I didn't walk away with anything. I got like, I literally, you know, woke up one morning. I said, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. Here's my resignation. Just take 100% of the company. Now there was value there. I could have sold it. I could have, you know, we could have negotiated for the next six months or whatever. It was just more important for me to move on. That's what made it so scary because I, cause like I, I woke up one morning, I wrote a letter, I sent an email and now I don't have a job and I don't have a company and I don't know what to do. Wow. And that's when I was just like, OK, I guess we're going to figure we're going to figure this okay. out right now. Yeah, so, I, um, burn the ship. Exactly.
1: You're you're probably better as an entrepreneur in an uncomfortable spot than a comfortable one.
2: I think so. Like, like, and, and, you know, looking back is the best thing I ever did. You know, in, at the time, uh, I, you know, I'd probably fight a little bit on that because it didn't feel like it. You know, but then things happen the way they're supposed to happen. So I, so I had this idea for like, well, what if I just, you know, do this thing that I do, but do it for different people, and that's what where Loudmouse came in. I, I came up with the name Loudmouse uh, on on a vacation. My wife and I went for a weekend trip, and I was and I was like, by Monday, I need to have a name, and uh, and she agreed because she was going to kill me because I was, you know, going over this for a month, and it's just it was just really important me to me come up with the right name. And so I came up with the name Loudmouse. I looked, the domain was taken. I reached out to the guy that owned it who wasn't using it. I said, hey, look, I really want to buy the domain name. You know, Would you sell it to me? And so he called a couple days later. He's, he's like, look, I just want you to let you know that like people have tried to buy this domain name off me for years. I had this idea for a pro- product. I never did it. Um, but people have offered me uh, you know as much as $10,000 for this domain name, loudmouse.com. And so I was like, "Well, you're not getting ten thousand dollars out of me." So, so like, I'll do loudmousemedia.com or something like that. Thank you anyway. No worries. Don't worry about it. He goes, "Well, hold on a second. In your email, you had a link to your blog, and I went to your blog and I and he read a post that I had written about my neighbor uh, and who is this extraordinary guy, very giving and just just a wonderful human being. And so he's, he's like, I was so touched by that story." That I want to be able to give back to you. So, so I'd like you to have the domain name. So I was like, well, I'm not paying you $10,000 for it. What, what can you do? Like, what's the best you can do? He's like, no, you don't understand. I'm going to give it to you right now. And uh, so I was like, wow, okay, sure. Whatever crazy you, know. you
0: from the universe that you're doing something yeah
2: right. the guy's a, well i'm thinking the guy's a lunatic and, and there's no way he's going to do this so he goes get in front of your computer right now go you know open go daddy give me your you know your account number and within 10 minutes the domain was in my account and we got off the phone i was shocked and then he called back an hour later and i figured it was like buyer's remorse and uh he wanted it back and so he's like, he's like i totally forgot i also have the dot net and i should give you that as well
1: Wow! And so, he gave
2: me, so he gave me loudmouse.net too. And so, so I, and that's right when I started this company. That was like the day that I started this company. So I started this company um, on the foundation of, there is a guy named Lance in California who we've become friends over the, over the years that believed in me more than I believed in myself because I was not willing to spend $10,000, but he was willing to give up $10,000. Nice. And that's a harsh reality where it's just like wow, so I have to make this work and I have to do good and I have to be able to to, you know, uh, give this back and, and somehow create something to make up for the fact that I didn't believe in myself as much as this other guy did.
0: Yeah, but you also nice. did because you did go for it.
2: Yeah, oh yeah. Well that and that's one of those things that drive like every time I get a little tired or get a little beat up, I think about that. And I'm like, Man, like this like he gave me his like he could have gotten ten grand for this domain name, he said no and he gave it to me for free. Doesn't make me pay for it like in other ways. Like it's not like he's reaching out going, "Hey, I need a website. I'm going to need you to step up and do this, you know." like, Nope. And we've we've talked a, a bunch of times. At least once or twice a year we we uh will talk to each other. It's just it's just interesting.
0: Yeah, it's like I think it's a very... A bit serendipity yeah of it's
2: just it's just a cool foundation to have where it's just like okay i know i'm on the right path i know somebody you know like like you know, like i just need to believe myself like this guy believes in me but i still yeah. i still
0: argue that you did because you left everything and you went for this but i think this was like uh some sort of cue from whatever, just to tell you, show you that you're doing, you're on the right path.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: So like we want to be respectful of your time. I know that we only have a few minutes left. Uh, I wanted to ask you like uh, the obvious uh, real life superpowers question. Like what's your superpower?
2: I think it's connecting with people uh, through stories, uh, being able to tell, tell a story, be able to connect with somebody, be able to, to dig in, find their story and, and just connect with people on that human level. You know whether it's on social media or or branding or like like it's why I think what I do is so important and i'm so and and I love it so much is because it allows me to just you know play matchmaker, get people to fall in love with each other, figure out how to how do I get other human beings to like that human being uh and and so I think that that's a really convoluted way of saying uh to answering the question. I don't know if that I don't know if you got the right response out of that but
0: I, I get it no I get it and I also think that you practice what you preach because like listening to you I think that the process that you do uh with your customers is what you did with yourself and you sort of you, you you drilled down and asked yourself uh, what value you're bringing and all the other questions that you sort of try to understand and unpack with your customers in yeah. order to bring them to the front and make them the best versions of themselves. And I think you asked yourself that series of questions and got answers that you did not like from yourself. And through that made your own path. And it's sort of meta because now you're doing it with other people. I think it's pretty big. And I think it's very brave to listen to your heart and to just leave everything and go and do it. And it paid off, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I like I said, I, I'm, I'm, it's the best decision I've ever made. Or one of the best. I guess I have kids and a wife. That's probably a terrible (laughs) thing to say. Like, it's it's one of the best, right? (laughs) Save.
1: (laughs) You just save the podcast in your life, (laughs) man. It's in the
2: top five or top ten, something like that. You know, got to, you know, factor in the dog and stuff too because – you know
1: you gotta factor in the <laughs> hey, before you finish, is finishes anything else you have to factor before because this is going to save your life right now let's <laughs> just say
2: top top 50 just in case just in case yeah. there is
0: infinity <laughs> and then uh so so your kryptonite
2: my kryptonite figuring out what your superpower is 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 so deep and so so much more difficult no, you know figuring out what's wrong with you easy yeah we
0: uh, always uh, make like a list not- from people
2: yeah i'm a perfectionist so, uh, I, uh, you know, I am now that's, that could be positive sometimes cause I'm very meticulous and especially with my clients and, and whatnot. But, uh, I have, I probably have two books that I've written that are sitting in a file on Google drive that, that, oh. uh, has never seen the light of day, uh, because I just, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not perfect. So, oh, so I've God. gotten, st- I've wow. gotten stopped by perfectionism a couple of times.
0: Wow. Well, it's not too late. Right? Oh
2: yeah, yeah. I'll get I'm always, I'm constantly working on that side of it.
0: Got to so. do the book. You know, if I would ask uh, you, uh, if you put the hat of your consultant on, if you advise writing a book, I think I know what the answer is.
2: Yeah, yeah, of course. If you want so, to
1: strategically leak it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's right. <laughs> it's a good idea.
0: Yeah, yeah. We can just erase that part of the interview. Yeah, and oops, you know. Nice. Big. Wow. So thank you so much for this. Is there anything else uh, that you want to add to our listeners? no
2: i think i hopefully they got some value out of this and and uh,
0: so. uh if not
2: if not it's all your fault not mine
0: i agree i agree <laughs> <But> it always <laughs> is and, and monette <laughs> would say it's my fault specifically but uh fine yeah, yeah I know. so true all right
2: all right because it's never the bass player's fault it's always the, it's always there we go oh i'm
0: like ringo awesome thank Thanks you thank time. you so much for this oh, it's really my pleasure
2: guys will cool. talk soon
0: okay bye for now bye <laughs>
2: Real life, superpowers.
1: Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. It's alive. Real life,
2: superpowers.